Welcome to the Partners in Excellence podcast. This is Dave Brock. I'm really delighted to have as my guest today, Leanne Hoagland-Smith. She uh, is one of the thought leaders in kind of the sales and leadership community. And she and I have been having just a fascinating discussion, both through our our blogs and Twitter and, and through email on the topic of value and value propositions, which is hot for every salesperson. And so we decided it would be great to bring our, our conversation to the podcast. Leanne, welcome. Well, good morning, David, and thank you for having me on. I've thoroughly enjoyed our interactions regarding this whole concept of value creation. Super, thank you. Well, before we get too much into it, uh, if you would share a little bit about your background uh, and, and a little bit what brought you to this, this conversation about value. My background is uh, 20 years in corporate sales, specifically in B2B um, industrial sales. And this is where this whole idea of value creation started having some angst within me. And, and as I've worked with clients in the small to medium-sized business world, they're also having confusion. And, and this is where it got me to this point in time of, do salespeople create value? And being a literalist, create means to bring into existence where nothing existed. Or is there something more? Do we actually add value? Do we connect to the value drivers? And the other caveat in this is bringing in the intrinsic motivation, as identified through a couple researchers back in the 70s, of what really motivates somebody to buy? And so I, I guess I'm looking at this whole concept from the 30,000 viewpoint, as opposed to looking at it called sea level, S-E-A, where you can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> and sometimes we get way too close to this. I mean, you just, I'd love to start diving into this right now, particularly, you know, some of the areas around value creation and bringing new things into existence. But I think to, to really kind of ground ourselves and ground the audience, we toss around the concept of value really, I think, too uh, carelessly, I, I think. And, and um, in your mind, what really is value and how do we, how do we determine value? I th- to me, value is the intrinsic internal motivation of why someone will select one solution over the other. It connects to what's internally important to them. And because we're all unique human beings, that internal importance is very different. And that, to me, is value. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional state. And people buy in emotions first justified by logic. We've heard all that. And, and that's where the value resides. The value can be as... Um, Oh, as simple as I want to talk to a male salesperson if you're a female. Mm-hmm. That can be value, and I actually had that years ago. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, well, yeah, I was in a very male industry. I was the first inside yeah. salesperson selling pipe valves and fittings in the Chicagoland area as a woman. And, and so it, you have to understand meeting them on their sales ground, so to speak, where are they? Yep. And then can you connect? You know, and 
you know, if you think, <clears throat> and this also brings in emotional intelligence, and I think where this is where we have agreement where value creation puts the sales person first sometimes, but it should be putting the customer first. And we have agreement, it's always about the customer. My concern is the ego state of the salesperson, that emotional intelligence. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's fair, but l let me back up just a, a moment. So I think some of the things that, that I don't want to gloss over too quickly because they really form kind of the, the premise for how any salesperson should engage customers and, and how we work with this concept called value is, is, is it, it implied within your, your description is um, value is defined by the customer. It's not defined by salespeople. And I think um, too often we really get it wrong. And it's, it's that kind of whether it's a salesperson ego-driven thing or just, you know, our, our cluelessness is, is that too often we think that, that, you know, we present what we think is value. Uh, and usually it's a features, advantage, benefits of our solution rather than sitting down with the customer and really understanding what they value. So I, I think this whole thing of, 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 of the customer defines value, um, and it's our job to understand what they value and then present what we do in the context of what they value. I think that's a really critical point that too many salespeople uh, miss. I, I believe that value has a couple, uh, several dimensions. Um, I, I do believe what salespeople miss a lot of is that kind of emotional piece of it. Um, um, and, and there I think you've hit on something that, that I haven't seen many people talk about is, is that, that, you know, what are they, what are they really trying to achieve? Not just, you know, their goals and KPIs in the job, but, but why are they at this place of work? What are they trying to achieve in their lives and so on? And, and I think we miss that emotional and personal piece of value. Uh, I like to think of value having kind of several dimensions, both that personal, emotional piece, which, which probably is the basis for a lot of decision-making and, and rationalization, but also I think there's the business or professional piece, what I'm trying to do uh, in the job, what we're trying to do as a company or, or, or department or whatever it is. Does that make sense or, or am I off? No, I, th I, I think you're absolutely right on. I think in, <clears throat> in our lives there's multiple dimensions and value is just not a, a singular dimension. It, it, it comprises of multiple. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I think sometimes we focus on the logical dimension, all the statistics and what it's going to do for your company, <clears throat> excuse me, and we, we forget the emotional. And people buy in emotions first. They'll buy from one person because they like them, and it's really not the solution that they're buying, but they're buying the person. And, I, and, and so this, this becomes a very complex interaction and uh, and I agree um, I think sometimes we fail to understand the emotional part but then we also fail to do our research to supplement the emotions with the rational thought of why our solution will be the best solution for them 
and not even think about what the competition is doing, but making it a little bit more personal. I think sometimes when we bring in the competition in this whole, in our sales conversations, which I've heard, we dilute the impact of the value of our solution. Yep, yep. No, and I would absolutely agree with you. And again, I think too many salespeople miss out on the personal side of this, of, of really trying to understand the individual, what drives them, what they're trying to achieve. So much of the time you see, you know, I, I just see it's people trying to get sanity or control in their lives or people trying to get home so they can see the kids' soccer game or we do a lot of turnarounds and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I need to keep my job. And those are very, very critical things that drive the the business rationalization of the decision and until we start understanding that I think we don't serve our customers as well as we could and I don't think uh, we position ourselves to win as, as well as we might. So I, I think that's a real critical issue. Let's jump into value creation um, and, and uh, you know, this, this premise of, of uh, to create something, we have to bring something into existence that doesn't that hasn't existed before. Could you explain that a little bit more, and perhaps maybe in kind of the context of how we face situations as salespeople? Well, what what I what I mean by that is it's my third sales buying rule: values unique to each buyer. Correct. So. I know we've had discussions about it and you know you've indicated well you bring something forth they weren't aware of well from a coaching perspective most people know what they need to do but it's buried so down deep inside of them and there's so many other obstacles they can't see what they need to do um, and coaching is you know bringing clarity <clears throat> and I think in our sales conversations if we can be clarity what's important to them um, just by asking where you were going previously in a conversation is whatever <clears throat> solution you bring to the table um, and you select, where do you see yourself a year after the solution's implemented? And, and, that, and that will give you a hint as to what's really important to them. And that way you can connect or add. I just <clears throat> saw something from Forrester, a recent article that said, 74% of buyers will actually purchase from the first person that adds value. So I think it's about connecting to their, uh, what we years ago called latent needs, the, the unidentified reasons they want to purchase something, but they just haven't had clarity around that. So I think, you know, and, and hopefully we're not, wordsmithing things too much but I think there's I think there's a huge amount there I think too much we we tend to focus on on the obvious or articulated needs of the customer um, and and what we haven't done our job of as salespeople is really understanding those latent needs the things that for whatever reasons, maybe because they, they're not conscious of it, because they haven't thought of it, because they haven't thought of how it might apply in this particular situation. They're, they're those, those, those needs they haven't even articulated to themselves or surfaced that, uh, that it's our job as salespeople to help them discover. 
Um, and and it's in that process, I think we are uh, bringing at least into awareness uh, something that uh, that they may not have known. I also think we bring more into that. I think there's there's some things the process of of kind of educating the customer about things that that they may be totally blind to, uh, to completely unaware of, uh, problems in their own organization that they are blind to just because we tend to be prisoners of our own experience and we don't see that there are better ways of doing things. Things that other organizations, other people, other industries are doing that they can learn from and look at applying um, in their own organizations. And I think those things of, of helping the customer learn something new that they, they haven't been aware of before or haven't even thought of applying within their own industry, I think that's really part of this thing I call value creation. I, I would agree, especially when they're not aware of it, and that's something new. And then, you know, if you're articulate and you can connect to something that's important to them, it's, it's kind of like a web. You know, each strand connects to another strand and eventually it, it all becomes interconnected. I think that's very, very important. I think it's also important to recognize that the buyer is far more educated than ever before. And, and sometimes I believe salespeople have blinders on because of the sales script or the training, and they ignore the education of the buyer. They may have to educate the buyer about something new in the marketplace, but they, they cannot um, unintentionally insult the intelligence of the buyer by presuming they know everything. And I, I've seen that happen a lot. I had it when I was in business and I was a purchasing agent. It's amazing what people would say to me. And I would just kind of internally shake my head saying, you think I'm that stupid? Um, and I, I think that happens sometimes because, again, it's that whole ego thing. I know more than you do. And I, I, in today's marketplace, um, ego should be left at the door. Yeah, I, 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 I agree and I'll disagree with you, so I'll push back a little bit. I mean, first, I mean, there's just pure bad and arrogant sales, uh, salesmanship. Um, and, and we see it executed in spades every day. In fact, it's that bad salesmanship, I think, that keeps both you and I in business, um, uh, you know, because we're trying to, to change that. But, uh, you know, so there's that and just, I mean, you know, poor execution, you know, lack of respect for the customer, their knowledge, um, and, and their capabilities. Uh, at the same time, um, the customers aren't necessarily expert in the problems that they're trying to solve. They're experts in running their business, but oftentimes what we're trying to do is get them to recognize new possibilities, things that they've never been aware of before, or problems that they didn't recognize they were having. And, and we do have our expertise because presumably if we're selling to within our sweet spot, you know, we are the experts at a particular class of problems, and our, our customers can learn a huge amount from us. 
I think that's very true, and, and you and I have mentioned this. In fact, you said it to me about disrupting the customer's thinking. And sometimes my sense is, and it's been my own experience for the last 20 years having my consulting practice and coaching practice, is that some of the salespeople out there solve symptoms, and so they yeah. really don't disrupt the thought processes and, and, and allowing their potential customers to see new possibilities, which becomes an advantage for someone like you and I who come in and say, okay, this didn't work because you weren't solving the real problem. You were addressing the symptom. And that's a risk a salesperson must be willing to take in this whole concept of value because they may get some pushback. You know, no one's ever said that to me before. And, and you have to have enough internal courage to be able to make those statements respectfully because you know as that expert or that more knowledgeable individual that this is really what's keeping this company from growing. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I, I think, again, we have to separate out just, uh, I mean, blatantly bad selling practices, the the me-driven selling practices rather than the, 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 the selling that says, you know, I will only be successful as a salesperson uh, if I make my customer successful first. Um, and so we need to be customer-centric in this. But I believe as part of that, it's our responsibility to, to help the customer learn how to improve, how to better achieve their goals, how to better achieve those things that they value, both personally and from a business point of view, whether it's growing their business, whether it's, it's getting more sanity in their lives uh, and getting home for their kids' uh, soccer games. You know, those are some basic things that, that, you know, if we really understand their businesses, if we really understand the problems that we're expert at solving, you know, customers, I think, will engage us and in, in, in hopefully challenge us in that and say, you know, I've never heard that before. What makes you say that? But but then we have to have enough enough depth, skill, and empathy to be able to really have those conversations um, and go very deep with the customer in those issues and what it means for them. My sense is you're absolutely 100% correct. My also sense is that much of the sales training out there doesn't go along these paths. It's still very traditional in its approach. And my, I also believe there's a lot of lost opportunities because, as you noticed earlier in our conversation, we don't really look at the emotional drivers of the buyer. We um, don't put ourselves in their shoes. We think we do, but we really don't because, like you said, we haven't asked, well, what's, re what's really important to them? Is it getting home to get to the soccer practice? And I, and I think that sometimes is mis missing. And with small businesses, they go to many seminars and maybe they'll you know, purchase a sales training program. And, and much of that training is really devoted to the big companies, which the, the sales process, the buying decisions is far more different. There's multiple decision makers. And, my target area of small businesses, you know, there's usually only one decision maker. And so 
not one, not one size fits all when it starts looking at sales training. And I think that's another dimension of all this, this concept of value creation. Well, I, I, I think, you know, I, 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 it turns out our, our target client base is, is very, very large corporations. And even when we see multiple people involved in the decision-making process, uh, while that decision-making and buying process gets much more complex, the same fundamental issues uh, uh, around value are there is, is each person is, is concerned with kind of a personal aspect to this. Each person is concerned with the business aspect, and that's probably one of the challenges is, is my business goals because of my role in the company are different than my colleague's business goals because her role may be slightly different. Um, and it's, a, you know, the challenge is how do we align those business goals and how do we align, you know, what, what they achieve together in the company. But I think underlying this, you know, regardless of uh, the size of the organization, what we're talking about is engaging people as individuals and as groups. And, and in those, those, that engagement, there's both the personal aspect of things, there's the business goal aspect of things, there's, you know, and there's the interaction between those groups. In, in all those areas, those are areas that, that I think the salesperson has, the great salespeople have the opportunity to exercise huge leadership on. Uh, in, you know, in the complex buying process of the large corporations that we deal with is simply helping customers figure out how to, how to align the diverse agendas, you know, in the buying group. I may have somebody from finance, somebody from procurement, somebody from a user group, somebody from IT or operations or whatever, each one of those people, you know, has their own agenda, their own priorities, driven both by who they are as people, but also driven by their job function. You know, so it makes it real challenging for them to, to buy. And so one of the things that I think, and again, I kind of put this in value creation, is one of the things that we do as sales professionals is to say, how do we help the customer align themselves to make a decision to, to move forward, regardless of what that decision is? Hopefully, it'll be a decision for us. But what do we do to help them do that? You know, the data shows that, what is it, uh, I think, um, uh, somewhere above 60% of, of uh, buying decisions end in no decision made. Um, and that's primarily driven by um, two things, lack of intensity around the need to change and lack of uh, in inability for the group to make a decision. Uh, so again, I, I think salespeople become the differentiator and, and true value creators in all those parts of the process in helping the customer move forward. I, I can't disagree with that. What I think when I start thinking about value creation, I'm, I'm very visual in my brain, I think of um, a gully. Um, and one side of the gully is the buyer and one side of the gully is the seller. And in your sales conversations, you're talking across the gully, you start hearing what the buyer values. 
and so there's a little bridge starts getting built and your role as a seller is to complete building that bridge to each of their value drivers what's important to them and when you've made when you've when you've created all those bridges there is a greater likelihood you're going to have a successful sale if you've missed one of those bridges and somebody else finds it you may lose a sale and so that's the little image I have in my head when I'm listening to someone. I'm checking off, okay, what's important to them? Mm -hmm. What's driving this, this buying decision? Mm -hmm. and, and since I work in, with a smaller industries, one of the reasons people call me is because they want to increase sales. And usually within 15 minutes of the CEO talking to me, I recognize sales is a symptom. And the real problem is his leadership, a poor sales process, a poor follow-up process, really not the behaviors of his salespeople or her salespeople. It could be, but there are other aspects that are not being considered. And that's my responsibility to kind of call it to his or her attention. And the response I usually get is, well, no one's ever said that to me before. And I go, okay but this is what I'm hearing and then we can have a little further in-depth conversation about what I've heard and see and, I think that I think oh excuse me for interrupting go, go ahead. ahead no that's go ahead I was done no I, I think that's you know that's just kind of a brilliant illustration of, of uh, and again hopefully not wordsmithing of, of value creation I think you know helping our customers learn helping them discover something new you know when you have a customer said that says nobody's ever told me this before or I never realized this before or I've never heard this before th those are those kind of true aha moments where the customer is learning something new where they're inspired and where you've really you know, created something and, and, and created value for them in that interchange. And, and, and they value, uh, because it is, I think, tied to some of the intrinsic drivers around, you know, being successful, achieving, uh, achieving goals that, that they're held accountable for and so on, because you tie those things to those drivers um, you make a real difference and a real impact. And that's what, those are the conversations salespeople should be engaging their customers in every day. And, and that makes, you know, first their customers much more successful uh, in, in valuing the salespeople. And it makes us much more successful because they're going to buy from us. I agree. And, and there, again, there is that risk factor of having the courage. I'm going to, you can call it sales courage, emotional courage, to have faith in yourself that you can step out and make those statements with complete confidence and being respectful and understand you may lose the sale. And I think sometimes with all the sales quotas and the pressures being put on people, they don't want to take that chance. But I think by taking that chance, they're going to have a much stronger relationship with that customer, and they're going to see more business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you see that kind of thing in, in top sales performers every day is, is those, you know, 
top sales performers take that chance? I mean, they're actually so good at it um, because they're so knowledgeable, so well prepared, and they really take the time to understand the customer that I think most top salespeople end up not thinking of that as taking the chance. Um, and all they just think of this is this is the natural way to engage um, engage our customer and to work with the customer. I think what you see in in, in mediocre and poor salespeople is is they're afraid to take that chance because they haven't developed those same skills and capabilities as the top salesperson. So naturally, they don't have the confidence. You know, they don't understand the customer's business. They don't understand the customer as an individual or human being. Um, they don't understand the problems. You know, all they know is features, functions, feeds, and speeds, which is, 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 you know, a problem of the organization. You know, I think it's it's incumbent really on sales leadership to work with their people to help them develop those capabilities so that they become comfortable taking those chances, that they become true problem solvers with the customer, um, not just, you know, parrots of a website. Um, and so, so, again, I think a lot of that is, is perhaps a salesperson problem, but also more of a sales leadership problem because that's the job of sales managers to develop those capabilities in their people. And absolutely. And how many sales managers, which is a discussion for another day, were that <laughs> top sales performer moved into a supervisory position and the skills they needed to be the top sales performer are not the skills they need to be a sales manager or a sales supervisor. So that's that whole super worker to supervisor syndrome that goes on. And you see that at least in my experience, you see that a lot in the small to mid-sized businesses. And then, and, they'll, and a lot of times in talking with clients, they have actually seen their sales go down when they've made that decision. And we've had to have conversations about, well, why do you think this actually happened? Because, again, they've not articulated the value from a different perspective that a sales supervisor brings to the table versus a salesperson. Right. Right. Well, I mean, in the, that discussion, we can go hours and days on. I, I know we both have strong opinions about that. I think our opinions are fairly well aligned, but, but we can go for days. Coming back to value, we've talked a lot about kind of recognizing the value drivers within our customers you know, being able to help them learn and discover and, and develop new points of view, you know, again, tying those things to maybe the value drivers. Um, what are the other areas of value that we aren't as attentive to as we possibly could? I think maybe I'd like to maybe tee those up but then use those maybe as a basis for a starting point for a next, another podcast where we can delve more deeply into those. Well, in our online discussions, one of the um, concepts out there right now is value articulation. Mm -hmm. and, this, and with small to mid-sized businesses and with the educated buyer, all these different aspects happening simultaneously, the research suggests that the majority of salespeople cannot articulate the value they bring to that buying table. 
and this value articulation actually starts in their marketing message and I came across an article specific to LinkedIn profile. How does your profile articulate value to a potential customer? And then you mentioned something also that I was not aware of, Dave. You talked about value. I think the term was realization. Yep. And in my old, you know, simplicity, it was like more like ROI with sustainability. So I think that's another aspect of this whole value creation discussion that, again, is important. You just can't have value creation without value articulation, without value realization. They all work together like three gears. Yeah, I, I think that I think that you're absolutely right, and again, I think too too often we have such a narrow view of value, and that puts us at a competitive disadvantage uh, or, or a disadvantage at achieving our own kind of selfish results of, of 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 selling something. But it really puts us at a disadvantage into how we can serve and how we can build our relationship with the customer. You know, and I, I think again, it starts kind of with understanding, you know, understanding uh, where we possibly can create and articulate and deliver value going after customers who care about those things, understanding what they value, what their value drivers are, being able to start kind of articulating what we do in, in multiple ways, both kind of personal um, and from a business point of view, and, and, and communicate that to them in an effective way. I think this whole area of kind of value articulation, one of the things that we've seen in the larger organizations these days is unless we can help the customer connect the dots between what they're trying to achieve with this change initiative and the top the, the the drivers at the top of the organization they simply won't get approval to move forward so this whole thing of 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 connecting the dots to the company business strategies the the company pr uh, priorities is is something that has been a huge kind of discovery uh, with buyers and very, very large corporations, in, particularly in the last five years. Uh, and then I think you got to be accountable for what you promise the customer. And increasingly, we're seeing, at least in large customers, is customers coming back a year, two years later saying, you know, you committed this value to us, um, and we're not realizing that value. So I think if we really want to look at sustained long-term relationships with our customers and building on those relationships, uh, you know, we have to get into this whole thing is are the customers actually getting what we and they thought they should get in the buying process, but are they getting it in reality? Um, you know, so it's this, this kind of never-ending chain that keeps kind of looping back on itself. You know, if they aren't realizing that value, the next opportunity we're disadvantaged or even not even considered uh, because they may be unhappy. Um, so I think as sales professionals, the more we understand each of those, how they interconnect with each other, how they, they drive customer success, and how that customer success drives our success, we position ourselves much, much better as salespeople. And, and 
unfortunately, I think too few sales sales professionals understand that and do that very well. I, I agree. So what I'm hearing from you is that our next podcast may delve into this whole concept of value articulation, and then our third podcast will follow that up with value realization. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I, I, whether it's a, uh, we do both in the next podcast or do a third podcast, I think it's, it's since we've started this ball rolling, I think it's really important for us to continue this through to say, you know, how do we articulate value in terms that are meaningful and relevant and impactful to the customer and enable them to also articulate that within their management chains and, and, and for their people to drive the change? And then how do we make sure that they actually realize that value, that they, they get the results that they expected, and that they're growing and succeeding and can move forward. So I'm really looking forward to those conversations. Thanks so much for joining me and, and for really provoking this discussion, Leanne. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We will be pub having a second podcast very soon. We'll let you know through our blogs and through tweets and all that. But, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us in this discussion. Thank you.